Here they come. Right now, they're gathering from hospitals all across America for Talk 10 Tuesday. They know there's important news and information just ahead. Don't miss out. Come in, sit down, and log on. It's Talk 10 Tuesday with Chuck Buck and co-host Dr. Erica Reamer. Here now is the publisher of ICD-10 Monitor, Chuck Buck. Thank you, Clark Anthony. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 372nd edition of Talk Tech Tuesday, brought to you today by the American Health Information Management Association. Of course, we know them as AHIMA. And joining me this morning is my co-host, Dr. Erica Reamer. Dr. Reamer is the founder and the president of Erica Reamer MD Incorporated. And good morning, Erica. You have been missed. Thank you very much. Good morning, Chuck, and hello, everybody. And uh, this morning, our lead story is about coding and documenting anticoagulant management. It's a service that's now codable and spillable, as we're going to learn this morning from Terry Fletcher. I'm looking forward to hearing from Terry. Indeed. Also on today's broadcast, Gloria Ann Bryan will be reporting on the CCs and MCC changes that are being proposed by CMS. Well, I know I personally hope they are not going to all be found in that final rule. <laughs> Indeed. And you have a talkback segment this morning. What's on your mind? Well, Chuck, I'm going to spend the next few weeks sharing with you uh, all some of the pointers that I got from the Actus Conference when I was uh, there a few weeks ago. Very good. I look forward to uh, hearing about that conference. And uh, speaking of looking forward, Rose Dunn returns with the Dunn Report. It's about HIM professionals and the revenue cycle. We have much news to report. We'll begin this morning with Tim Powell, who's at the Talk 10 Tuesday News Desk. The Talk 10 Tuesday News Desk is sponsored by ICD University, inviting you to attend a webcast on protecting your payments by learning to correct ICD-10 CM code assignments for diagnostic radiology. It features Terry Fletcher on Thursday, June 20th. Here now is Tim Powell. Chuck, today my section is called Don't Blame the Billing Company, They're Your Bills. Jamestown Regional Medical Center in Tennessee is in big trouble. Medicare and Medicaid are cutting off payments to the hospital tomorrow, stating that the hospital does not meet conditions of participation. Renova Health in West Palm Beach, the hospital's parent company, blames the transition to a new billing company. A Renova spokesman said Jamestown Regional has, quote-unquote, sustained a significant decline in the receipt of payments over recent months, caused in part by mistakes made at the facility during a transition to a new billing company in December of 2018, according to a statement in the Independent Herald last week. When reading subchapter G of 42 CFR 482, Hospital Conditions of Participation, you may struggle to see how Jamestown could be in such a mess. I think that the problem is there's a general condition of participation uh, requiring that providers maintain records supporting transactions with Medicare. This is the most likely culprit. Either there are too many billing errors in recently submitted claims or there's insufficient documentation to support the claims that have been already submitted. I think this may also explain the fact that Renova holds their billing company responsible for their woes. Providers need to remember that the False Claims Act includes claims that they are submitting or caused to be submitted. The burden of maintaining records and accurately billing for services falls onto providers and cannot be passed onto third parties like a billing company. What can providers do to protect themselves when selecting a billing company? Start by making sure that the billing company you select has references with other clients. Look for a proven track record. Make sure the billing company you select to provide billing service has not been fined or suspended from Medicare you can start your search with the OIG website. Check and see if your billing company has a compliance plan and a compliance officer. Discuss with them how they handle compliance. When contracting with a billing company, insert language into the contract that indemnifies you in case of negligence on their part 
and look and see if they have the financial resources to make you whole if there are such losses. And finally, and most importantly, have regular coding audits performed by certified coders. There are a lot of good firms out there, and ask around, and our friends at AHIMA are a good place to start. Be active in your revenue cycle, and remember that no matter who does your billing, there are still your claims. And with that, back to you, Chuck. Thanks, Tim, very much. That was Tim Powell. Tim is a compliance expert and an ICD-10 Monitor National Correspondent. It's Tuesday. It's June 11, 2019, and you're listening to the 372nd edition of Talk 10 Tuesday Standby. Attend the premier CDI event of the summer. The American Health Information Management Association is hosting the 2019 CDI Summit, Advancing the Practice Exam. The CDI Summit in Chicago, July 14th and 15th, explores the challenges presented by today's complex healthcare environment. There are four keynote speakers and three tracks, addressing CDI best practices, innovation, implementation, and ICD-10 CMPCS. The conference is all about empowering professionals to improve the way healthcare information is received, managed, and communicated. And while you're in Chicago, explore the scenic Riverwalk, visit world-renowned museums, taste fine cuisine, as well as the city's famous hot dogs and pizza. Earn 13 CEUs and 13 CNEs at the summit and take your program to the next level. Register before June 13th to save $100. Visit ahima.org slash cdisummit today. I'd like to remind you to attend an upcoming webcast on protecting your payments by learning the correct ICD-10CM code assignments for diagnostic radiology. Now, this webcast features Terry Fletcher, and it's coming your way Thursday, June 20th. And now is the time for the Talk 10 Tuesday Coding Report. Here is Glory Ann Bryan, and good morning, Glory Ann. Good morning, Chuck, and good morning, everyone out there. It is really great to be here. I am broadcasting today from the California Health Information Association, CHIA Annual Convention, in a very warm, actually hot, Indian Wells, California, which is near Palm Springs. Now, let's get to the issue at hand that I'm going to be speaking to you about today. That is the IPPS, the Inpatient Prospective Payment System Proposed Rule, emphasis on proposed rule. This is really getting the juices flowing across healthcare, as it usually does. In particular, however, HIM and CDI professionals, we, of course, want to focus on the MSDRG, the Medicare Severity Diagnostic Related Group portion, and the changes that they're recommending, in particular, to the CCMCC, complication comorbidity, major complication comorbidity, revisions. So the revisions are the CCMCC as part of the MSDRG. In the proposed rule, for 2020, we find that this contains changes that if, if proposed, if approved, it would really decrease the number of ICD-10-CM codes that are MCCs, and it would decrease the number of ICD-10-CM codes that are CCs. So there's some de- decreases, which we know impact our MSDRGs, our relative weights, and ultimately the payments. In the IPPS proposed rule, there are a variety of information tables. One table for you to look at that I'd ask you to do is table 6P as in Peter, 
1C. And the, this particular table has a list of the changes, and there's a variety of other tables in that Excel file that will be handy to look at as well on the changes that they're recommending in this particular area that impact the MSDRGs. And I'd like to bring to your direct attention today, this morning, on the proposed changes, some of them that are causing a buzz in our industry, in our, in our, in our business, and in our lives. This is regarding the ICD-10 CM codes, uh, the E42 unspecified severe protein calorie malnutrition. There's a recommendation that be moved from an MCC to a CC. And there's also a recommendation that the E440 code, the moderate protein calorie malnutrition, be moved from a CC uh, to an MCC. So there's some changes there. Significant change in moving the stage three, stage four pressure ulcers. And I know that that's an important area that we always are watching. And those are being recommended to MCC to CC. So there's a down movement there. And also a diagnosis G93.5 for compression of brain, moving that from an MCC down to a CC. There are some significant changes in the renal codes that they're recommending in this particular area of the IPPS rule. End-stage renal disease, the N18.6 code, moving that from an MCC to a CC, and the chronic kidney disease stage 4 and stage 5, the N18-4 and the N18-5, moving that from CCs to non-CCs. So you can see there's a lot of shifting. Uh, I'm emphasizing some that are moving down, as we say, in the impact of the DRG. So what do we need to do? Well, it's important to look at these changes. In addition, some other changes around some of the Z codes that are status codes that will be moving also down from ACC to a non-CC. And I bring all this to your attention because I'm asking the audience to read the proposed rule. Yes, read the proposed rule. It is open, public, and you can comment on it. Now, when you go into the actual rule, and there's a link on the article I wrote, and several places in the ICD-10 monitor has also published that. We can read how CMS analyzed, discussed, and presents these changes to us and why they believe it's, the rationale is there for these changes. So we need to look at their rationale, look at their comments, determine what our comments are, and then we can submit a proposal, and that can be submitted no later than 5 p.m on June 24th of this month. So that's an important thing to take note of. And again, there is information in the article I wrote, which was released last week on some of these changes. So check that out. And HIM, CDI professionals, and physicians, I think should join together and look at these proposed changes to comment and send your comments into CMS. I hope to see some of you at the July AHIMA CDI Summit as I'll be presenting with my fellow colleague, Dr. William Hike, And uh, I hope you all have a great day out there. And let's chat again on another program in the near future. I'll turn it back to Dr. Reamer. Thanks, Glorian. That was nationally recognized health information management leader, author, and clinical coding and documentation expert, Glorian Bryant. Chuck? 
Thanks, Erica. And thank you very much, Gloriana. By the way, you can read Gloriana's excellent article on this subject. It's on the ICD-10 Monitor homepage at this very hour. As we mentioned at the top of the broadcast, Rose Dunn is here today. Rose is a nationally recognized HIM expert, and she is past president of the American Health Information Management Association. Rose continues her series on the revenue cycle and how HIM can play a role in other areas of the revenue cycle. Good morning, Rose Dunn. Thanks, Chuck, for inviting me to do this revenue cycle segment number five. This segment explores another role that is ideal for health information professionals, and that is improving the clean claim rate through edit management. A clean claim is one that meets the specifications of the payer, accurately represents the services provider, does not result in a rejection, and facilitates timely payment. And one facet of achieving a clean claim is edit management. An edit is a system processing rule that reviews claim data to detect and report errors or inconsistencies with that rule. Edits are designed to trigger rules in the EHR as well as the claim system. Some of the traditional rules are based on the UB04 and CMS 1500 billing requirements, the National Correct Coding Initiatives, the Outpatient Coding Editor, and Medically Unlikely Edits. Edits also may be defined by the organization, such as looking for a mismatch of charges to the codes assigned by coders. Other edits may result from payer-specific requirements, such as one payer's requirement that a HICPICS code be submitted rather than a CPT code. Edits may be placed before the claim scrubber and in the HR itself so that the claim will sail through the scrubber, and the scrubber uses edits to locate and flag for data correction. Now, common edits that we see in our systems are rules to ensure that the gender is appropriate for certain procedures. For example, an effective edit would kick out a claim where a female had a prostatectomy. Similarly, There may be edits for age-related codes, such as a pregnancy and a 90-year-old woman. Now, when we see the scrubber kicking out claims, we may need to tweak some of our edits. Additionally, when we see claims rejecting from the clearinghouse or the payer, we may find that other edits should be added. The point of the claim scrubbing is to get claims cleanly through to the payer. Now, when we monitor scrubber or payer rejections, we may find some unique relationships, such as the need to add a code when another code appears on the claim. However, these rejections need to be assessed to determine if the additional codes must be added every time the partner code appears on the claim, regardless of what other codes may be present. If it's determined that this should occur every time, the rule could be designed to have the billing system assign the additional code when the partner code appears. Whether this route is taken or not is a decision that shouldn't be taken lightly. Organization-developed rules must be researched thoroughly, judiciously used, and tested before they are implemented. I mention the judicious use because there may be strong recommendations to implement rules that automatically assign or delete codes, add or change modifiers, or possibly add codes without appropriate documentation or validation by a coding professional or a charge entry specialist just to avoid reviewing the claim. Caution there, folks. HIM professionals should oppose such rules and, if necessary, engage the compliance officer's support. As revenue cycle leaders, we have a responsibility to ensure claim-related actions 
are compliant with charging and coding guidelines and supported by the documentation and the record. Quick and easy measures to get the claim out the door may not be the best fix. Our goal is to ensure the revenue we receive is what we're entitled to. Revenue integrity is as important as documentation integrity. And who better than an HIM professional to ensure both are achieved? That's it for now. Done is done. Back to you, Erica. Thanks, Rose. That was Rose Dunn. Rose is the Chief Operations Officer for First Class Solutions and a past president of AHIMA. Chuck? Thanks, Erica. And thank you again, Rose, very much for the Dunn Report. That was report number five. Thanks, Rose. This morning, our lead story is about coding and documenting anticoagulant services. They're codable and they're billable, as you're going to hear now from nationally recognized professional physician coder and auditor, Terry Fletcher. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Chuck, and good morning, everyone. So I want to talk to everyone today about the importance of anticoagulant management, also known as Coumadin checks, INR checks, PT checks, lots of different names used to capture the service of monitoring patients who are taking blood thinning medications such as Coumadin. Millions of people take it daily to prevent blood clots. When someone has a heart attack or a stroke, it is due to a blood clot. In those situations, we know that their blood is too thick. This will automatically cause them to be at a higher risk of having another heart attack or stroke. That's why physicians add Coumadin or something similar to act as a blood thinner by blocking the vitamin K pathway. Coumadin has been used for decades because it's cheap and effective. However, sometimes it can be too effective, and that's where the monitoring is necessary. Blood thinners definitely save lives but it redu- because it reduces the risk of a heart attack and a stroke. However, the downside is that the blood is just too thin at times, and this has to be monitored. If someone on blood thinners is scheduled for a wisdom tooth extraction or a major surgery or any type of invasive procedure, the surgeon or dentist wants to avoid excessive bleeding. In that case, the surgeon will notify the primary care physician or cardiologist that they are scheduled for surgery and that the patient needs to stop the Coumadin and when to resume it. There are other risks involved with the monitoring of this medication as well, but you get the general idea of why it's so important to have a schedule of monitoring and to get consistent payment for providing this important service to your patients. Well, finally, AMA and Medicare got together, and now we have codes for this, but I noticed that a lot of practices still have not recognized the codes. So first, there are two billable codes, and you may only see the first code once. This is the 93792. Patient Caregiver Training for Initiation of Home International Normalized Ratio, that's the INR, monitoring under the direction of a physician or other qualified healthcare professional, face-to-face including the use and care of an INR monitor, obtaining blood sample instructions for the reporting of the home INR test results, and documentation of patient caregiver's ability to perform testing and report results. So that one you're going to see maybe once in the patient's lifetime within your practice. The second is the monitoring code that you'll see quite often, and that's the 93793 code. That's the anticoagulant management for patients taking warfarin must include review and interpretation of a new home, office, or international uh, lab international normalized ratio, the INR test results, patient instructions, doses adjustment as needed, and scheduling of an additional test when performed. This code reimburses for about $12.25 nationally, but there's a few things to consider before you bill for these codes. So 93792, again, that's for, uh, for patients who test their INR at home rather than going to the laboratory. So prior to starting this home testing, the patient needs to understand how to use the test reliably. The instruction and training is, how, is, now, covered, is now a covered service. And then before, there was no RVU assigned for it, so now we actually get to capture the service. 
The more routine code you will see is the 93793. This is for payment for managing patients taking warfarin. It includes a review and interpretation of a new lab test, again, done in the home, office, or lab. You'll notice that if it's office or lab, there's no face-to-face component there, and you can still code for it. This code does have work values, recognizing that a physician, NP, PA, work to interpret the lab test, making a dosage adjustment if needed, and to schedule additional tests. But remember, this is for a new test. With Coumadin, you have to check the INR or PT value at least monthly. Oftentimes, people are more fre- are checked more frequently because Coumadin can interact with antibiotics, anesthesiology, and even certain vegetables. There are other blood thinning medications that do not have the same monitoring requirements such as Coumadin, for example, aspirin, Plavix, Eliquis, and Xarelto, because you don't have to monitor the patient's blood, but they also are very pricey. That takes us back to the Coumadin part. Also, if the blood draw is performed in the physician's office and processed in your office lab, then you may be able to capture the 85610, the prothrombin time lab test, as well as the code 93793. If the criteria for reporting the 93793 is met and performed from the outside lab and the patient is not seen face-to-face in the office, but is contacted with instructions, dosage, adjustments if needed, and scheduling of a different test, of additional tests, then you still can code for this service with the POS 11 as long as the qualified healthcare professional, either physician, MPP, or PA, is supervising delivery of the service by the healthcare clinician. That would be okay as long as they're there giving the results to that patient. CPT says do not report the 93793 on the same day as an ENM service, and that's pretty clear. Uh, clear direction because we're seeing now that some things are getting kicked back in office visits. But if the INR is done on the same day as the visit and the patient or and the physician interprets the t- result and gives the patient dosage instructions, do not report the 93793 in addition to an ENM service. This is a separate service that is not part of the ENM encounter that day. If an ENM is, service is provided on the same date as a pro time or an INR testing, and the, all those results would be included in that ENM service. Also, CPT states do not code this on the same uh, service time as chronic care management or traditional care management as well because it would get kicked out. So this is good news because you're probably already providing a service in your office, but now you should consistently get reimbursed for your effort. Stay away from the nurse visit because now you actually have a visit or I should say a clinical uh, CPT code that allows you to capture the service. You can read more about this in my article today on ICD10monitor.com. Dr. Weimer, back to you. Thanks, Terry. That was nationally recognized professional physician coder and auditor, Terry Fletcher. Chuck? Thanks, Erica. Thank you very much, Terry. And you can read Terry Fletcher's outstanding report on this very important subject in today's ICD-10 Monitor News. Now it's time for our very popular segment here at Talk Tuesday. It's called Talk Back, and it features our own Dr. Erica Reamer. Dr. Reamer, at the top of the broadcast, you talked about uh, reporting on the recent ACTUS conference you attended, some of the keynote speakers. What are you going to share with us today? Buongiorno. I've been absent from Talk 10 Tuesdays for three weeks, including a trip to Italy with my husband for our anniversary. But May 20th through the 23rd, I was in Kissimmee with many of you at the ACTUS annual conference. It was really affirming to have so many of you come up to me and express your appreciation for Talk 10 Tuesdays, Chuck, and uh, it's nice to know that there's someone on the other side of the podcast. I'm going to spend a little time sharing with you my musings on the conference in the state of CDI. Um, First, I'd like to make a shout out to Brian Murphy and the conference committee and the ACTUS personnel who put together a superlative meeting. 
Um, I enjoyed the food, the venue, and was able to get my 13,000 steps every day by walking around in the Gaylord Palms air-conditioned indoor space, which pretended to be an outdoor space. The speakers were extraordinary, and the topics were top-notch. But before I really detail them, I want to share that the best part of the meeting is congregating and networking with like-minded peeps. They come from disparate settings, which is part of the delight. In addition to CDI leaders from huge regional or multi-hospital systems, I spoke with a CEDIS who works in Montana in a 99-bed rural hospital, and I met two gals from Louisiana who still practice clinically while being CEDISes. I hung out with my fellow advisory board members who are vendors and educators. My physician friends were there too, Jim Kennedy, Tim Brundage, Alvin Gore, Kristen Wallach, Beth Wolf, to name a few. I got to hang out with my special friends from projects, Kathy, Paula, and Rose. So I want to strongly urge listeners to consider attending your trade annual national conference, whether it's Actus or HEMA or NPAC. The opportunity to learn from each other is unparalleled. I think it optimal if your department pays for you or subsidizes your attendance because supporting your professional growth strengthens your contribution to their program. But if they don't, you should consider doing it anyway. It doesn't have to be every year, but you will never be sorry you did it. Today, I would like to share the messages of the inspirational keynote speakers. The kickoff keynote was pediatrician Dr. Natalie um, Stavas, who was 800 yards from the finish line when the first bomb went off at the Boston Marathon. And she had to make a split-second decision whether to run toward the chaos to help or retreat. She shared her life story about being an ADHD kid whose parents encouraged her daily to run four miles around the perimeter of her farm in Nebraska to expend energy so she could focus. She was indefatigable and was the first person from Nebraska to get accepted to Harvard for residency. Her love of running led to Soul Train, a charity where they gift high-risk inner-city youth with running shoes and personal coaching, which transforms their self-esteem and their lives. The final date keynote was Joe Tai, CEO and head coach of Values Coach, Inc. He had several messages. One, you and your colleagues should take the pickle challenge, which means eliminating toxic negativity by finding and emphasizing the positive. So you couldn't find a nearby parking space? Don't grouse about having to walk. Be grateful that you have legs to walk with. His philosophy is that establishing a pickle-free zone will increase productivity, improve employee morale, and foster a more positive corporate culture. He also asserts that no one empowers you, you must empower yourself too. He has a daily program of 15-second inspirational affirmations that you articulate four times a day, and he recounted returning to a hospital, encountering a woman who looked familiar, but he couldn't place her. Turns out, she practiced what he had taught her and transformed her life by losing over 100 pounds. He shares his steps with us at www.valuescoachinc.com slash pickle-challenge. I suggest you check it out. Chuck, next week I'm going to talk to you about some of the things I learned in the meeting sessions. And until then, I'm out. 
Great report. Thanks, Erica. We look forward to your report next Tuesday right here on Talk 10 Tuesday. This was our 372nd edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. We want to thank Gloria and Brian, Rose Dunn, and her report this morning. Terry Fletcher, Tim Powell, and, of course, our co-host, Dr. Erica Reamer. And remember, no matter where you are, no matter what time of day it is, you can always listen to Talk 10 Tuesday podcast anytime, anywhere, on any device, and it's absolutely free. You can listen to us on Stitcher, on Apple, on Spotify, and Google Play. And until next Tuesday, I'm Chuck Buck, reporter for Tucked In Tuesday and ICD-10 Monitor. Thank you again very much for being with us. Tucked In Tuesday is a production of ICD-10 Monitor.